Ladies and gentlemen, the Euros are back. And guess what else is back on the Slesson podcast? That's right. It's our good friends from Manscaped. So, fellas, let's let's get serious here. If you want to avoid your uh, your midfield uh, looking like uh, Fernand Cote or uh, Abel Chavier, it's it's time to clean up that midsection with Manscaped, proud sponsors of the Slesson podcast. Be a proper man this tournament and shave your balls with the brand new Lawnmower 4.0 and Ultra Smooth Package. Join over 2 million men worldwide who have trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. Get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CELESON at manscaped.com. That's S-E-L-E-C-A-O, CELESON, at manscaped.com. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game so you can enjoy the games this summer clean and properly cared for. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming, and their brand-new shaving tools just dropped right in time for the Euros. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is now available in the U.S. and Canada. Now, you're going to ask yourself, the 4.0, what makes this waterproof trimmer different from all the other trimmers? Well, I will tell you. This 7,000 RPM trimmer features skin-safe technology to keep your balls in check and has helped reduce manscaping accidents all around the world. A new multi-function on-off switch can engage a travel lock created for all you jet setters. Maybe you're heading out to the Euros this summer. You know, put that travel lock, it'll be fine. You won't have that on-off going off and you won't have any, you know, different people looking at you thinking you got something strange in your luggage. The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Plus, you know, the uh, trimmers before only had one guard. How about sizes one through four on your guard lengths to let you trim to your liking? I have been blown away by the performance of the uh, Lawnmower 4.0, the craftsmanship, the details, on the 4.0 are next level. Now, if you want to get the complete package, the Manscaped Ultra Smooth Package is a three-step kit to help keep your family jewels protected. Step one, the Crop Exfoliator. Infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your uh, private area, feeling a refresh, reducing the risk of ingrown hairs by your delicates. Step two, the Crop Gel. See where you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel. And step three, it's time to shave. The crop shaver was designed for shaving the growing area with confidence. Three precision blades, including extra wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate growing grooming experience. All three of these vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products are included so you know your manhood is in good hands wherever you watch the best in Europe kick off look as sharp and as clean as cristiano this summer on and off the field with manscaped get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code celeson that's s-e-l-e-c-a-o at manscaped.com make sure when you play with your balls you use the right tools for the job get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code celeson at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code celeson s-e-l-e-c-a-o hit the target and sure up your d this euros with manscaped this is zach lowey of breaking lines and you're listening to the celeson podcast Seymour's 
21 for Torres. Eusebio. Oh, my word. Have you ever seen anything like that? He's got for Simão. A passar por dois adversários, Simão. A tentar obter o gol a Figo. And we welcome you to episode number 43 of the Celestone Podcast, a proud partner of Portugal.net and a member of of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. My name is Danny Pinto. I am your host. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your day or night, whether you're listening to us on your way to or from work. Perhaps you've taken the pod with you on uh, on vacation and you're traveling, whatever the case may be. Thank you, as always, for your support of this podcast. Folks, it's the beginning of June, which means only one thing. Payday! Actually, it means two things. Payday and the Euros are on the horizon as uh, of this as of this recording. Uh, we are just 10 days away from the beginning of the tournament and two weeks from Portugal's first group match in Budapest against Hungary on June 15th. Luckily for the Slesson, though, uh, it gets easier as they then travel to Munich to take on Germany June 19th, and then they head back to Budapest to take on the minnow that is France on June the 23rd. So it's pretty easy, right? Uh, the group of death... Uh, yeah, bet your ass it's the group of death. Uh, before the Slesson, uh heads to the Euros, they will take on Spain in Sevilla in a friendly this Friday, June the 4th, and then Israel in a friendly in Lisbon on June 9th before departing for what we all hope is a successful defense of their European championship. Uh, we have a lot to get to on this episode, as you uh, as you heard at the beginning uh, of the of the uh, pod here, we are absolutely thrilled to have Manscaped back as an advertiser on the Slesong podcast. Remember to use the uh, code Slesong, that's S-E-L-E-C-A-O, to get 20% off and free shipping worldwide on your order. We also have a new partnership we'll announce right before we get to our interview with our guest for episode uh, 43 of the Slesong podcast, that being Zach Lowy of Breaking the Lines. He and I... Uh, had a, a great discussion uh, about uh, Portugal's roster and their chances of repeating uh, at Euro at Euro 2020. Uh, but we uh, we actually get things going with some uh, under 21 discussion as Portugal. And let's give it up for uh, for our youngins here, uh, led by a manager who is George. Uh, they uh, earned their way to the semifinals of the under 21 Euros after defeating Italy 5-3. Not the easiest way to get to a semifinal going up 2-0 on uh, two Danny Mata goals, including just an outrageous bicycle kick to open up the scoring in the uh, in the sixth minute, uh, but then uh, giving up a goal right before the end of the first half. Uh, then going back up 3-1 after Gonçalo Hamj uh, scored in the 58th, but then they give up two goals in the last 30 minutes, including a tying goal in the 89th that sent the match to an extra 30 minutes, where the Slesson then finally put Italy away with goals by Jota 
and Francisco Conceição. We now await until Thursday, June 3rd, as uh, Portugal will take on Spain, 9 a.m. on the West Coast here in the States, noon on the East Coast, uh, you know, Toronto, Boston, New York, uh, Miami. Uh, check your local listings for times and channels in your area of the world. And then the winner of that semifinal will face the winner of the other semifinal between Germany and the Netherlands. Uh, the final is then set for this Sunday, June the 6th at noon Pacific time at 3 p.m. on the east coast of the States. Again, check local listings and channels for your availability of that game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But uh, congratulations to uh George and, uh, and the uh, under-21s for getting to the semis. Hopefully uh, this is the beginning of a championship summer for uh, Portuguese soccer, our beloved Slesson, on all levels of the teams here. But another announcement I'd like to share with all of you, and it's one that I'm just super thrilled about. Um, our good friend and grand amigo Dupad, uh, Eric Krakauer of BN Sports, he is going to be our Slesson match analyst for each of Portugal's matches during Euro 2020. So whether it's just the three group matches or discussing what it feels like to be fans of the back-to-back European champions, Eric and I will discuss and break down each of Portugal's matches. And I just I can't thank him enough for uh, for making time and and showing such amizad uh, to me and to this podcast. It's it's greatly appreciated, and we're looking forward to having Eric on uh, throughout Euro 2020 on the podcast. So uh, a grand obrigado to Eric, and uh, yeah, can't wait to have him on the show again again don't forget all the ways you can uh, follow share listen and subscribe to the podcast first and foremost our lovely website slesonpod.com follow us on twitter at slesonpod hit us up on instagram at slesonpod facebook.com slash slesonpod and of course you can email the show uh, either by clicking the link on our website or by simply reaching out to slesonpod at gmail.com subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify google play or any other podcasting platforms by simply entering the Slesson podcast in your search engine. And if you're kind enough to leave a five-star rating and a nice word or two about the show on Apple Podcasts, uh, it obviously helps the show become more visible on sports and soccer podcast charts, uh, which uh, helps us get to more and more people's earballs. So um, my thanks to all of you for who have already done that. And uh, if you are, again, kind enough to do that, it'll definitely help us out tremendously. But before we get to our interview with Zach Lowy of Breaking the Lines, I wanted to introduce all of you to a brand new partnership that we have here on the Slesson Podcast with the Joseph Ray Barbecue Company. The Euros are obviously just around the corner, and uh, some of the best memories I've ever had from watching the Slesson play revolves around not only being around family and friends, but around food. But prepping the food and being the grill master when you just want to watch the game can be a little annoying. Well... I have just a fix to get you in front of your TV watching the Celeste play with a full plate of delicious BBQ. If you live in the Northern California Bay Area, you need to reach out to the Joseph Ray BBQ Company. Much like this podcast, Joseph Ray BBQ is proudly Portuguese-American owned and operated. Tri-tips, briskets, ribs, pork belly, chicken, pretty much if it had a pulse, Joey will put it on the grill and make it absolutely delicious. The best way to get your initial Joseph Ray Barbecue Company experience is to follow them on Instagram at Joseph underscore Ray underscore BBQ underscore CO. That's at Joseph underscore R-A-E 
underscore BBQ underscore CO and let your eyes do the eating. Send Joseph Ray Barbecue a message on Instagram. Tell them that you heard about their delicious barbecue on the Slesson podcast and get your orders in for what we all hope is another long run in the Euros for Portugal. That's Joseph underscore Ray underscore BBQ underscore CO on Instagram for the Joseph Ray Barbecue Company and tell them that the Slesson podcast sent you. All right, folks, so on episode number 43 here, we uh, are uh, joined by Zach Lowy of uh, Breaking the Lines. Zach, um, man, for uh, for a young dude, he has a wealth of knowledge, and uh, he covers it all from, I mean, he was he was mad tweeting yesterday about the under-21 Portugal uh, Italy game, but it uh, it came out to uh, to on the positive side for uh, for this last song, and we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, he's here to preview um, the uh, Euro 2020, and uh, he is working on a series for uh, BTL um, about uh, the upcoming European Championship, and we'll get into that as well. But uh, you can follow Zach on Twitter at Zach Lowy. Says right here that I get the camera. It's this way down there. Pointing that way, boom, right there. And uh, Zach is uh, kind enough to uh, to join us for a few moments. Zach, Danny Pinto here uh, in California. I know you're back east. Thanks for making some time, man. Yeah, of course. No worries. Um, how I'm glad to be here um, and glad to be discussing uh, a loaded set of topics for today's uh, podcast. For sure, man. We appreciate your time. First off, um, Let's let's go ahead and, and go a little off uh, off topic right uh, right from the jump as we are going to get you to preview Euro twenty twenty but um, you know the Slesson is is a a wealth of talent right now uh, on all levels and it was on display yesterday uh, during the uh, under twenty one quarterfinal against uh, Italy up two uh, nil right before the half they get uh, they get one scored on them and then they open up a three one lead in the second half only to have it uh, be tied right before. 90 minutes. They did put away the Italian side uh, in the second of the 15-minute uh, extra time. But what were your thoughts on uh, that performance? And then what do you uh, what do you think of their chances coming up uh, Thursday against uh, Spain in the semifinal? Yeah, um, I had divided loyalties going into the game uh, because I am Italian American, but uh, obviously I love watching Portuguese football and I love watching uh, this team. Um, I've had the pleasure of watching it for quite a few years now. Uh, this Herasau do Noventinovi, generation of 1999. For the most part, you do have some players for from other age groups, um, and it's just incredible the fact that this team has has come so far with barely any any game time from really the number one star of this class, Joao Felix. Uh, who hasn't really played with them for, um, I think, around like five, four years at this point, maybe. Um, and so that's incredible. The fact that you have, you know, Nuno Mench, uh, a player who, you know, would be starting normally for this team, but is with the force, is, is going to be with the first team um, this summer after a fantastic campaign with Sporting. Uh, and the same goes for, of course, Pedro Gonçalves, uh, who has gotten his maiden call-up for the Portuguese national team this summer in the Euros, uh, both well-deserved call-ups. Um, and so taking away those players, taking away, you know, Francisco Trincao and Thierry Correa, who missed out due to COVID-19, um, as well as uh, Gonzalo Inácio, Rubin Vinagre, 
Um, you know, a few other players such as Tomas Ibedo, who were controversially excluded from the squad. Um, but, you know, even without all of those players, you still have such a tough team to beat in this uh, Esperanza side from from Hui George. Uh, so, yeah, it was an interesting game. Um, I had high expectations going into it just because we saw, in many ways, the, the two two similar teams uh, just three years ago with the it, with the uh, U nineteen Euros um, in twenty eighteen. Uh, the first group stage match, I, I believe, between Italy and Portugal was a, a nail biter, and then of course the final uh, was even better, going into extra time uh, and eventually Portugal edging it out. Four to three with uh, quite a few of the same players who who played yesterday um, against against that same Italy team. So uh, just because of that, I, I was I had very high expectations, and overall as a game, it definitely uh, lived up to those, if not um, sur- surpassed them. You know, you mentioned some names that uh, either were not chosen or, or were excluded because of, as you mentioned, Kobe, uh, Kobe, COVID. Um, the kids are calling it Kobe, I think. But, um, you know, it, there's still a wealth of talent in, in the in, in this talent pool for for this lesson. Uh, you, you see it right now with uh, with the with the senior team with uh, Fernand Sanz. Uh Obviously, who George had to make some difficult decisions, not only uh, for this recent call up, uh, but during the game yesterday. How much I mean, it's a great problem to have, Zach, but how much of a of an issue is having, and I hate to say, I, I can't believe I'm about to say this, having too much talent to choose from uh, if you're the manager of either one of these uh, uh, teams. Yeah, I mean, it, it does provide um, what I would call a good problem to have. Um, and we've seen that with, with so many other countries such as England, France, where, you know, there's always going to be players who are unlucky to miss out. Um, you know, I know that we'll get into the, the senior team later, but overall, I think that, um, I, I don't know, I, I think that Hubin Vinagre, if I was Louis George, I would be calling him up because he was really impressive at Fumalico. Um, You know, I understand, you know, maybe going back to the U21 Euros group stage, how, okay, he didn't play much at Olympiakos, but, you know, doing well at, at um, Tamalico, but but this is we're we're talking about May here, so a full half season, um, which in my opinion, from what I saw of Vinagre, was enough to merit a call up. Just looking at the fact that you know originally um, there wasn't a single natural left back in the squad, uh, both for the U21 Euros group stage as well as the original squad of the knockout round, um, when Thierry Cohea, who who was starting, you know, dropped out. Uh, as a result, um, uh, uh, Hui George called up Abdu Conte, who uh, I've, I've mentioned before has had a good season at Mordorinch. Um So, you know, deserved calls for both him and Philippe Suarez, his teammate at Mordorinch, uh replacing Cohea and Trincao. Um, but personally, I would have given it to Vinagre. I think that he deserved to, to make it. Um, I would probably take out a right back in the squad. I, I was critical of the fact that, you know, originally there were four right backs, uh, four natural right backs that we say, Diogo Dalot, Diego, Thierry Coelho, uh, Pedro Pereira, and uh, Tomas Tavares, who, who like Vinagre, had, you know, two loans um, originally sent to Deportivo Alaves 
didn't really play much there and and went to uh, Farenc. Um, unlike Famalicão, who who managed to get themselves out of the relegation fight and stay up, Farenc ended up going down. Uh, you know, it's it's good that Tavares got some game time and you know showed he's a, he's a good Liga Nosh level prospect. But personally, um, I don't know. I would have I would have called up uh, Vinagre over over either Tavares or Pereira. Um, I think he was deserving, and, and as well as um, Gonzalo Inacio, who I think. Uh, alongside Tomas Cibedo uh, of Belenenses was unlucky to miss out. Um, I think if if it was up to me, I would be calling him up. Uh, maybe even over Thiago Jalo, who's played a decent amount at Lille. Um, Inacio starting for uh, really the best defense in in Europe's top ten leagues uh, with Sporting, grinding out a starting spot on on the right side of the back three. Um, personally, I, I don't know how you can look at a player like that and, and just not call him up, even if it's, even if it's, you know, not just, even if it's just for like a bench warming spot. Um, I don't know. I feel like having an Inacio there, you, you might have more competition, better competition than, than perhaps a Jalo. Um, I, I do think that for me too, the biggest disappointments yesterday um, against Italy were, were the center backs, Diogo Queiroz and Diogo Leite, who have obviously played a lot together. Yeah, uncharacteristically, yeah. Uncharacteristically, yeah. It's worth noting that they've been a very good center back pairing, both for Porto as well as Portugal, um, but neither had a great game. This, despite Queiroz's, um assist, I, I don't think either. And I, I got to think that, you know, sporting fans, as well as just Gonzalo Inacio, will be watching that at home and thinking, how was I not... You know, I'm not saying that Huey George should should have benched him, and I, I can understand um, the appeal of not calling because you don't want that competition, um, and you don't want to break up that pairing. You know, which I totally understand. But I don't know. It's just to be an Asio and to be starting for the best uh, defense, statistically the best defense in in Europe's top ten leagues, and to not even get called up to to Slovenia. It's it's a bit disappointing. Um, personally, if it was up to me, I would have called him up. Um, and I know there are some other players who are unlucky to make, miss out, you know, such as Dominguez Kina, um, such as, uh, I, I'm forgetting some names, Fabio Silva, who's, you know, done fairly well at, at Wolves after a tough start. Um, but I think the two guys who can, who can have the most to complain about are definitely, uh, Ignacio and Vinagre. We're talking with Zach Lowy of Breaking the Lines. You can follow Zach on Twitter at Zach Lowy. You can uh, follow Breaking the Lines at BTLVID. That's B-T-L-V-I-D. We're uh, previewing here, uh, or about to preview here, uh, the uh, Euro 2020 tournament where Portugal hopes to uh, repeat as European champions. Uh, Zach, what did you think of the 26-man squad uh, that Fernand Sanch has called up uh, for this upcoming tournament and uh, in hopes of uh, defending the European title? I liked it a lot. Um, I was pleasantly surprised uh, with it because um, usually with these squads, you know, there's a player who is unlucky to miss out. Um, and honestly, I'm not sure if there are really many players who can who can say that they were unlucky to miss out, honestly. I think that Santos... Uh, he picked the closest thing to a perfect squad, in my opinion, given the options. Uh, obviously, I would have called up Pedro Neto if he was fit. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, if Dan- if Daniel Potence was, was, was fit and hadn't gotten injured, maybe he would have had a shot uh, to replace Neto. But, 
neither of those ha- neither of those ended up materializing and both ended up getting sidelined. Um, so with you know with those two out, I don't think there's many players who can be that aggrieved. Um, I, I think that one of the biggest I, I would say that Nani is is, is somewhat unlucky because he's had a great start at Orlando City. Um, and I was curious to see if you know maybe um, potentially Santos doing a similar thing with 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 uh, that that Didier Deschamps did with, with Karim Benzema. Obviously, completely different situations. Benzema is a much better player than Nani, and he's still playing at the top level. But you know, maybe having that that leadership would be nice to have. I don't know. Um, I but but that being said, I, I didn't have Nani in my predicted Euro squad, um, and I, I I I can I think he's unlucky. But you know, for a 34 year old player who's, who's playing in MLS, like to to not get into the Portugal squad, like. You can't be that um, furious, no offense. Yeah, I mean, especially with aspirations of winning the tournament, not just participating in it, right? Yeah, and also just, you know, he is, what, 33, 34. Um, you want to move on. You want to have, in general, younger players. And, and Portugal do have a very, you know, they have a decent amount of, of veterans that can uh, allow them to cope without Nani's veteran presence, I think. Um, so, you know, apart from Nani... Um, I think, you know, Andre Gomes can't be that unlucky. He hasn't done that well at, at Everton this season. Um, but I would say that Joao Mario definitely can, can feel a bit left out. I know that um, – I think that when I was going through my, my predictions for my Euro squad, I, 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 was, I wasn't sure whether to go with William Carvalho or Joao Mario. I went with William just because I think despite the fact that he hasn't played much at Real Betis, he still has plenty of experience. Um, at the national team level, plenty of experience playing under Fernando Santos and in a in a in a variety of roles um, can really slot in. So I I think that he was the right choice to pick him just because of how how important he can be when he's on his game. Um, but João Mario has been very good alongside João Palinha in that sporting midfield. Um, so if I think that. You know, if, if there's any midfielder who can be unlucky to miss out, it, it's probably João Mario. Um, as for defense, uh, I was a bit surprised to see Nelson Semedo being called up over Ricardo Pereira. Me um, too. Obviously, uh, Cedric Suarez beat both of them out to the um, to the to the roster spot in the March World Cup qualifiers. Um, but I personally, I, I picked Ricardo. Um, Pereira in my Euros, uh, 26-man Euro squad. Um, but, you know, with, with that being said, it, he has had an injury-filled season. Um, he hasn't really gotten back to his best form yet. Um, and, you know, if, if he hadn't suffered a few injuries this, and, and had been in top form right now, which which he isn't, frankly, um, I think he would be on that pin. But, you know, unfortunately... Uh, he w- he was perhaps one of the victims of of, of the Euros being pushed back a year um, because this hasn't been this has been a tough 2020-21 uh, for Ricardo Pereira who I think will bounce back and I think that just the fact that Semedo unlike Cedric and Ricardo has been you know playing regularly Cedric um, kind of bizarrely going from uh, like one of the shall we say the the a surprise performers in this Mikel Arteta's Arsenal team 
um, to kind of being frozen out, you know, not really playing, even over guys like uh, Caleb Chambers. I, I don't think there was any expectation that, you know, you can't go from a bench warmer at Arsenal to a, uh, a squad player for Portugal. Like, even with 26 players, that's just not happening. And then depending on who you ask, I mean, not picking someone from the Orlando City from Orlando City is probably the same thing as not picking someone who plays at Arsenal right now. But that's just another right. story. That's just a that's just a dig from a Spurs fan. That's all. <laughs> no, I mean it's. It, I wouldn't say that it's it's this it's the same. But the fact is, like, I, I think that Nani's un, more unlucky to miss out than Cedric. You know, um, and and you know, too it's too bad for Cedric because he does have that. Experience, of course, was one of the key players in Portugal's uh, Euro 2016 victory um, and can play both sides. But I think that also Semedo, the fact that he he maybe he hasn't been his he hasn't had his best season at Wolves, um, obviously adapting to a new league, adapting to, you know, playing as a wingback, adapting to a new system. But he has still been starting um, and playing regularly. And I do think that he's a better defensive choice. Um, than a Ricardo Pereira, especially a, a Pereira who is really isn't in top form and we, you know, who hasn't even um has played a lot as a winger um this season, not really that much as a fullback. Um, I I think that Ricardo is a better player than Semedo when he's on form, but to to pick Semedo, oh, who's been starting pretty much week in week out, who's you know kept his fitness, I don't think that you know it's it's that much of a controversy. I can see why he went with it. And honestly, I, I don't think that Semedo has gotten, like, drastically worse as a player over the past 12 months. It's just his team has gotten drastically worse. A little bit. This is a pretty bad Wolves team, which, you know, resulted in Nuno Espirito Santo sacking. And, you know, I, I think it's pretty hard to shine if you're a Semedo. So not excusing his, his so-so form, but the fact is he's starting regularly in the Premier League. He's been decent enough to continue starting um, and he's he he really hasn't changed much as a player. I would say that it's more the team that's changed, if anything, you know. Um, and if and the fact is, yes, he isn't starting at Barcelona anymore, but he's still starting in arguably the most competitive league in football. Okay, um, and that's just something that Ricardo Pereira or Cedric Suarez have not been able to do in the Premier League. Um, looking looking at that, but yeah, I think. Probably the, the the biggest surprise of it all um, was the Ronaldo. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. Thought, yeah. I I don't know what I don't know what nonsense season that guy. I really don't. It's we're taking a chance, Zach. We're taking a chance by taking this guy, but you know we'll see what happens. Once again, uh, <laughs> this is pro sporting bias. Ronaldo uh, <laughs> choice, but you know we'll see what this kid has to prove. Uh, I don't know, but um. Anyways, uh, I think the biggest surprise of it was uh, Pedro Gonzalez, who got called up for the first time in his career to the uh, senior Portuguese national team. Um, and, you know, I think that going into this tournament, going into, you know, the, the buildup of it, a lot of people are asking, okay, who should, who should Santos take? We know that, we know that Ruben Diaz and Pepe, if they are fit, Okay, they're going to start. Like that's just not up for debate. Sure. We know that Jose Font is going to be a good deputy and ready to step in whether now who who are we going to pick as the fourth choice? Okay, are we gonna pick a uh, Huben Semeo 
who has, you know, kind of had a renaissance at club and for club and country since joining Olympiacos. Um, are we going to pick Domingos Duarte, who has has done pretty well since since leaving Sporting and and joining Granada? Um, but who doesn't have that much experience at the national team level? I think only has two. So, and of course, Luis Neto, who was uh, called up um, for in 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 Pepe's absence. Um, you know, there was a lot of asking. You know, who are who is Santos going to pick for that fourth CB spot? And he ends up surprising us all and not picking any. Um, and and focusing the. Uh, extra roster spots from the 26 on on other positions such as midfield and attack. I think that was a, very much a surprise from a, a pretty conservative coach in Fernando Santos. Um, that's just not something you really expect him to do. But personally, I, I like the move a lot because uh, you know, assuming neither of Diaz or 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 neither Diaz nor Pep get injured or suspended during this tournament, okay, that's going to be the starting. Uh, center back pairing. It's not going to be anybody else. Um, I, I don't think there's a, there's any chance of you know that of Santos breaking up that pairing. Okay, it's going to be that if if one of them gets injured or suspended, okay, you've got Jose Font. You've got Jose Font available to step in, who's you know a legend uh, for for Portugal and is still very a very competent defender. He's had a fantastic season. Uh, at Lille, I believe the second best uh, defense in Europe after Sporting. Um, so another great option, and also you have Danilo Pereira, who has you know done well, and and will probably be starting um, as in that defensive midfield position for Portugal, but can definitely slot in to that center back role. In fact, I would argue his best performance for PSV this season came against Bayern Munich as a center back. Um, and showing that you know he can be a valuable option in that role, and if he does end up getting slotted into that role, then a player like João Paulinho or William Carvalho can slot in, and uh, it would be I would I would imagine fairly seamless for both of them. Um, so I think that I think that Santos made the right move in only calling up three natural center backs, and you know obviously having Danilo as as an option if if things go from bad to worse, you know. Um, I think that the fact is, if if Pedro Gonzalez did not um, did not make this squad, I, I I don't know. I feel like if Portugal end up going going out in the semifinals, like you could definitely argue, you know, man, what if what if we had Pedro Gonzalez? What if we had his his ability to create things out, create plays out of nothing? And you're talking about the the under twenty one if they if they go out to Spain, right? I'm no, I'm I'm talking about this. I'm talking about the Euros. Okay. I'm saying, I'm so you saying, have us in the semifinals. All right, I like it. I like it already. No, 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 no. I'm saying if if Port- if Portugal hypothetically stating if if Santos did not call up Pedro themselves, okay, and Portugal get all the way to the semifinals, um, and then go get eliminated, you know, because Portugal's goal should be winning this damn thing. Absolutely. Like, like, that's that's what they need to um, you know this isn't 2006 anymore that's what they need to aspire to winning it that should be the standard so if they go into the semifinals and get knocked out like and and without Pedro themselves I think there's definitely a I don't know a contingent I'd say at least of, of Portuguese fans who think you know what if we had Pedro themselves because the fact is 
if he didn't make it, which I think I expected him not to make it, I think that most people expected him not to make it, if he did not make the squad, uh, he would be by far the most unlucky ex- ex- exclusion, you know, because he has had a fantastic season at Sporting. He's had a better season than Joao Felix, uh, than, frankly, most Portuguese attackers um, or, or, you know, like, there aren't many Portuguese attackers or midfielders who've had a better season than him. Like, just speaking frankly, um, if you look at just his impact, his importance, you know, I, I know that Portugal isn't the Liga Nosh isn't the best league in the world, but what he's done is is nothing short of incredible. Um, and I think he he definitely deserves to be in the twenty six man squad. You know, it's it's an interesting situation because the I mean the way everything went down with COVID in the last fifteen months or so, like the schedules have all just you know been changed just dramatically. And I was having a conversation with uh, Alex Gonsalves of uh, of Tuga Scout uh, a few months back, where we were discussing the the World Cup roster and also Hui George's roster for the group play in the under twenty ones, and we were we were thinking like. You know, because it's a single tournament, especially on the under twenty one side, would this be the under twenty one side that would go all the way through the tournament? You know, who knows what the rules and stuff. And obviously, that wasn't the case because Pedro Gonçalves was uh, selected for the senior side this uh, this round. His his impact, you would think, would be a much would be much bigger on the under twenty one side than it will be on the senior side, and we'll see what happens. Without us knowing what that conversation was like between Fernand Sanch and Hui George, which I'm assuming there was a conversation about taking a focal point from the under-21s and moving them up to the senior squad, with both tournaments being so important to each of the teams, you know, does Fernand Sanch, in your opinion, does Fernand Sanch take Pedro Gonçalves to the squad to the senior squad, knowing the impact that he would have on the under-21s if he wasn't going to have Gonçalves be? Not a focal point, but an important part, maybe, of uh, the Europe uh, of the uh, the defense of the European title. Look, I mean, I love this U twenty one team. I love watching it a lot more than I love watching uh, the senior team. Honestly, they just play such beautiful football, and I've really enjoyed watching these kids really grow up and 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 become men. Um, you know, watching a player such as you know Trincao or Diogo Queiroz going from the U-17 level all the way up to the U-21. It's been fantastic. That being said, uh, the priority has to lie with the senior team, okay? Um, you know, the, the U-21 Euros is um, every two years, usually every two years, if not for a global pandemic, you know, <laughs> Euros are every four years. And frankly... Uh, as great as it is for Portugal to win and compete at the youth level, which they have been doing, um, the fact is the senior team is, is where the the big bucks are made, shall we say, where, where sure. legacies are written, okay? Um, so I don't think that I, – I don't think that Pote will be a day one starter, and I don't think he, he necessarily should be. Um, looking at the competition in midfield and attack, you know, I think that the attack, the front three will probably be uh, Bernardo Silva, Tuchel Ronaldo, and Diogo Jota. Midfield is a bit trickier. Um, you know, I think you'd have you you would have Bruno Fernandes in that attacking midfield role, probably Danilo Pereira in the defensive midfielder, and then the other one is really anybody's guess. 
um, can be, go between so many different players. Absolutely. Um, so I'm just not sure if I, I don't know if if Pote, given the fact that yes, he's had an incredible season, but has he had a better season than Bruno Fernandes? And has more importantly, has he done more at the international level than Bruno Fernandes? Uh, you know, I don't think either are are true. Um, but with that being said, Pedro Gonzalez, I think, can be a very important player, uh, both playing as, in the front three um, as well as in the midfield. I think that he he offers such a unique threat um, that you know uh, that I, I think that um, at the end of the day, if you if you have that kind of player who can just give you you know fifteen good minutes off the bench every game. For me, if if that if that player who, in my opinion, you know, is capable of turning around of, of changing your uh, Euros fortunes drastically uh, just from 15, 20 minutes per game, for me, that's more important than a player starting uh, with the U twenty one side, especially given the fact that you know, frankly, Pote. Uh, I'm not saying that the U21 team doesn't need him, but like he didn't exactly stand out in the group stage, um, in my opinion. I, I thought that other players did more than him. Um, and, you know, he, he has had the best season of the bunch. Um, but for me, what that says is I think that this U21 side can win it without him. Um, I don't know if they will. Spain are obviously a very tricky opponent. And then uh, if they do go through, uh, if they do eliminate Spain facing off against uh, one of Germany or the Netherlands in the final, that's going to be very tricky as well. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But I think that what we've seen in the first four games is that this team is good enough to win uh, the, the tournament without Pedro Gonçalves. And on the other hand, I think that you have to allocate your resources um, to the to the senior team. That's why Nuno Mensch, despite the fact that he probably won't be starting, he's still going to be on the plane. Um, and and That's a good not, point. Yeah, and and yeah. same thing goes with with Joao Felix, right? Um, it's not you know it, it in an ideal world, you know there there would be a balance, but the fact is, uh, the senior team. That's that's what's going to. That, that you you need to allocate your resources as a country to winning the euros that's what's most important um so you know we'll see what happens with pedro gonzalez uh with in the euros um hopefully he does get some good minutes in um but in general i think that you you need to call up your strongest team um even at the at the uh risk of of damaging your your youth teams yeah, you, you brought up the, the the term legacy, and you know, I guess the, the perfect example of that is, you know, the golden generation of the of the late '80s, early '90s. You know, won those youth World Cups, but they are more remembered for not winning a major trophy at the senior level. So it, your your point is is very well taken. Uh, we're talking with Zach Lowy of of breaking the lines here as we're previewing uh, Euro 2020. Uh, we're talking obviously the Slesson, and then we'll get to. Uh, a, a quick uh, a quick overview of the tournament um, overall here, but you know uh, just to to kind of tie into something that you wrote about a few days ago, you know not that they're the same player, but Pedro Gonçalves could be uh, this year's Hanat Sanch, you know, and uh, and you wrote a a pretty uh, a pretty in depth article of 
um, you know, not such um, discovery um, in, in in Portuguese football. Uh, without giving the entire uh, article away here, um, give uh, give the uh, the listeners and the viewers here just a, a, a thumbnail of of that piece, and uh, and uh, we'll make sure to uh, to link it on this uh, on this episode. Yeah, thank you. Um, I wrote an article for Breaking Lines on Renato Sanchez, uh, basically talking about you know his his childhood, his breakthrough to the first team at Benfica, uh, you know, getting that big move to Bayern, becoming that the golden boy, and uh, you know that breakthrough sensation within the 2016 Euros. Um, and you know, he his his time at Bayern didn't go as we would have hoped. Um, eventually, got loaned out to Swansea City. Um, before leaving for uh, Lille in the summer of 2019. And really, he's, he's been so good um, in France and, and so important uh, in, in Lille winning their first um, league title in 10 years. So that was basically what the article is about. Um, Hinato is a player who I've, I've been following since his, his, since his first weeks as a professional um, at Benfica, a player who, who always caught my eye um, and who I'm really happy to be to, to be seen, um, you know, doing very well uh, at, at Lille. Yeah, it's a great read. Uh, I read it uh, earlier today to, to, you know, make sure I knew who I was I was speaking with here. But it was it's very in-depth. It's, you know, uh, discovered at a very young age. Uh, for for a lot less than what Bitcoin is going for yeah. <laughs> nowadays, but uh, you know it's it's just one of those stories that's it's it's a it's a story as old as time with with some of these uh, discoveries of these young players and uh, make sure uh, to uh, give it a read uh, over at uh, Breaking the Lines. Um, so Zach, obviously the the roster itself uh, for the Euros uh, is is a strong one. We know what we're looking for here. We know what uh, the the team is. I mean, it's a much more in terms of on uh, on paper, it's a much more talented team than the team that lifted the trophy five years ago. Uh, they are in a murder of a group uh, with uh, with Germany, with France, and with Hungary. Um, given how well you like the roster for Portugal, uh, what do you think are their chances simply of getting out of the group? As you know, they got out of 2016 as the third place team. We obviously don't want to hope for that same result unless it gives us the same result you know in the knockouts later but um you know what what do you give uh what chances do you give this less song of, of getting out of uh, of their group given the uh, competition that's facing them yeah i mean this is one of if not the most talented portuguese squad ever um and with that being said getting out of this group is is anything but a guarantee uh this is one of the craziest if not the craziest group of death uh, I can remember, and it's 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 even crazy because this isn't even a World Cup. This is like Euros, and yet uh, so much so much talent, so much danger uh, consolidated in one group. Um, I don't think that Hungary will be much of a threat, uh, especially with with Dominic Szoboszlai missing out. But we'll see. You know, there are always some. Zach, they're playing at home. They are. Right? <laughs> you yeah. know, they, they make the play. They, they qualify via the playoff. And what are they rewarded with? They're rewarded with home matches. I'm like, okay, I, we should have yeah. gone that route. Yeah. <laughs> they, they also wouldn't be playing if it wasn't for Shobozai. That's true. Um, and his goal. Um, and I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I honestly haven't followed this hungry team that much. And uh, so I can't comment too much on them. 
Um, but it's going to be a shame to, to not see Shobozai. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, we'll see what happens with them. Um, but looking at, I mean, the, the reigning world champions, um, as well as the world champions from 2014 to be in that same group as Portugal, uh, absolutely insane. I mean, you have the champions from 2014, 2016, 2018, all in the same group. Uh, it's, it's really nerve wracking. Um, but I, I, I back Portugal. I think that they will finish. Uh, I don't think they'll finish third place. I think that, um, they have what it takes to, I would say finish second. I, I would back them to finish second because, you know, we'll see what happens with Germany. Um, they have looked, I think, shakier, um, than, than their perhaps indestructible self of a few years prior. They look somewhat shaky under Joachim Lowe, who will, uh, obviously step down, um, and be replaced by Hansi Flick at, at the end of the tournament. Um, we'll see what happens with them. Uh, still have some fantastic players, players who are, you know, in, in a lot hot form, such as, uh, Antonio Rudiger and Kai Havertz coming after, um, coming off that great Champions League final performance. Uh, you know, you have players such as Joshua Kimmich um, and, you know, Timo Werner, who can definitely burn uh, Portugal if, if he's feeling it. So we'll just have to see what happens. But I, I, I back Portugal to finish ahead of Germany. Um, France, on the other hand, that's, man, this, this France squad, I think it, it might be even better than this Portugal team, especially with Karim Benzema coming um, back. I'm just fascinated to see that dynamic. Um, and I, I do think that uh, Deschamps, Didier Deschamps himself, must have looked at that group and thought, wow, I'm, I'm going to need something special. I'm go- I need to patch things up with Benzema because Benzema might be what I need to finish top of that group. Uh, so Portugal are not only going up against the world champions, they're going up against the world champion side with some some players who were not available in, in Russia, such as Karim Benzema who I think is going to cause Portugal a lot of problems. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I know that, uh, uh, you know, I, I know that Ruben Diaz and, and Pep are, are not a, a uh, center-back pairing to be trifled with, shall we say. But uh, I, I don't know if they'll be able to handle it. But uh, I, I'm just absolutely, I'm, I'm super excited to, to see how this group shapes up. Um, you know, Portugal, Germany, and France all in the same group. Uh, probably the craziest group of depth, group of depth, um, that I can like remember, even at the club or, or country level, just absolutely insane. Um, and I, I honestly would not put any money, even if I was a betting man, I would not put any money um, on any team to finish first or second or, or third, because honestly, it could go either way. So Zach says hungry fourth for sure. Put your money there. Uh, <laughs> we're talking with Zach Lowy here of uh, Breaking the Lines as we're previewing uh, Euro 2020 uh, for the Slesson. Uh Zach, let me get your thoughts real quick now on... Okay, let's say for the sake of argument here that Portugal, Germany, and France, they all make it out. There's still a lot of competition in these other groups, in these other five groups that, um, you know, will give any of these three squads, even though as as good as they are, uh, that'll give them issues. Uh, Let's look at the tournament here as a whole, a brief thumbnail of, of what, you know, what fans can expect. 
Um, is what well, one? Do you think the winner is coming out of Portugal's group? I won't. Call, I won't ask you for a, a a prediction on if it'll be France or Portugal. So I don't. I don't want people to make you mad. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there's not. There's no need for that. But uh, you know, there's a lot of talent in these other groups. Yeah. You know, this to me looks like even though the the, the uh, UEFA insists on expanding and FIFA wants to expand so that everybody qualifies. It does seem to me that we are in a sweet spot of talent in terms of this era of football that there are a handful of teams that can make a claim to being, you know, one of, if not the favorite uh, to win this thing. What do you think of the, uh, the tournament overall in terms of uh, what could happen? Yeah. I mean, overall, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a single front runner, um, you know, back in 2018, uh, there may not have been at the start, but I think that France were pretty dominant and pretty much cakewalked the entire competition. Um, and I, I don't think that'll happen this time around. I think that there's a lot more parity. I think looking at the squads of France, uh, Portugal, um, Italy, I think are definitely a dark horse who have been extremely consistent under Roberto Mancini. Um, they all have a good shot. You can never count out Germany, although I, I personally don't think that they finish ahead of uh, France and Portugal. Um, they still have a very strong squad and a proven winner in Joachim Lowe. Um, the Netherlands, I, I think that losing Ronald Koeman um, and replacing him with Frank de Boer is, is a really big downgrade, um, and, and I, I don't think that they will be able to not a serious um a serious challenge for it uh, but we'll see what happens you know they obviously have a ton of talent in their squad even with players such as Virgil van Dyke um missing out they could definitely do some damage um England arguably the strongest squad in this entire uh tournament um so much talent the fact I mean looking at just they they are absolutely loaded uh, in attack, I, I don't even think that Portugal's. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think they're. I wouldn't put them on the same. Um, I think that England might have a bit more firepower than Portugal. I mean, looking at players such as Gary Payne, Jaden Sancho, um, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, it's just absolutely incredible. Um, but I, I'm not that hot on Southgate as a coach. I'll be honest. Um, I, I think that's. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think England are going to win it just because I, I think that Southgate. It's not coming home, Zach. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I would be happy with for, you know, my English friends and followers. If they sure. win, but honestly, like I, um, it's, it's also pretty funny to see England lose like no offense. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Portugal podcast, man. Make fun of them all you want. <laughs> um, but England have, you know, one of the strongest squads as well. And uh, I think we'll probably end up getting to the final four. Um, so, yeah, Italy, Spain, England, France, Portugal, um, even, you know, Turkey, who have been, who I think could be the dark horses of this entire tournament, uh, playing some incredible football lately. Um, obviously destroyed Netherlands um, a few months prior with a uh, hat-trick from Burak Yilmaz. Um, I, I wouldn't count them out either. I think they could make some serious noise. Um, apart from that, uh, 
I I think that you know potentially, um, potentially Spain could be interesting. I I don't really know. I I one thing that that kind of upset me was was seeing Luis Enrique calling up uh, only twenty four players, um, and I'm like, if you're going to use the extra spot, just use all three of them. You know, sure. I don't. If if you want to stick with your normal one, we can go with twenty three. What's the point in go, doing in the middle? You know, what's the point in excluding two players like you know, for example, Iago Aspas or Jesus Navas, who could have been very useful for them. Um, and that's another reason why I think that you know Santos did a great job of, of using all three of his extra roster spots. Um, but I I don't know. I think that Spain might end up having the same issues as they've had. Um, in shall we say the post uh xavi iniesta era um and just not enough uh edge in attack i think that might be their downfall um especially if they play alvaro morata i personally think that gerard moreno would be a better option um as a center forward uh i i don't know i think that spain they they have shown some promising signs of life but i i don't know i feel like they still need another uh, two or four years until they can, uh, you know, make an attempt to be what they were in, you know, 2008, 2010, 2012. We're talking with uh, Zach Lowy here of uh, Breaking the Lines. Uh, great to have him on on the podcast to preview uh, Euro 2020, uh, both on the Slesson side, and uh, we just got a little bit of an overview of uh, the rest of the tournament. Um, Zach, before we let you go here, you obviously have uh, a huge. I mean, I, I your Twitter feed is just unreal, man. I, I don't know when you sleep. I don't know when you have time to eat. I don't know when you have time to even watch the the, the soccer that you cover because you are always on Twitter. Um, I I want to go over a couple of things first. Uh, the the origin of breaking the lines. How did that come about? And uh, and I also want to talk to you about a couple of projects that you have going on. But let's first talk about breaking the lines. Um, You've been you've been at this for a while, even though you're a young dude. Uh, how did Breaking the Lines come about, and uh, what was the uh, the the impetus of that? Breaking Lines, um, I formed Breaking Lines in my after my freshman semester of of, of college, um, and it was a guy Tomas Anderson who approached me, saw my Twitter feed, and um, wanted to essentially convert my threads into articles and try to make a website from that. Um, so he, you know, suggested making a project and, um, from there I, you know, I came up with the name Breaking the Lines. Um, and so, yeah, we, we formed Breaking the Lines, um, and initially, you know, started posting some videos as well as some articles where, you know, now we have definitely gotten more article focused. Um, but yeah, we, we are, um, really just trying to push the boundaries of, uh, football journalism and football analysis, always trying to uh, push ourselves to be better and uh, cover football, you know, even even better, especially Portuguese football. Um, and I won't give any, away any spoilers, but we are working on a collaboration with a major a Portuguese football company uh, this summer. So super excited to be announcing that soon. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's it's really spiraled into something incredible. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a big summer, no doubt for breaking lines. Yeah. And we mentioned the, uh, the article that you just wrote, uh, about uh, the Hnat Sanch, uh, story, uh, you know, Portuguese football is something that you, uh, and uh, the folks at breaking the lines do a great job of covering. Um, you, you just had Tom Cundert on your, 
Cortalinha's uh, podcast a few weeks back, and also uh, someone who I don't think gets enough run in terms of um, you know being Portuguese in in the media here. Uh, and it's and it's a shame I haven't had her on yet because I've uh, I follow her on Twitter, but you've had uh, Gabby Amato of uh, of BN Sports on on your most recent podcast of uh, of Cortelinhas. Uh, how was uh, how was that uh, interviewing her and uh, what's uh, what's her take on uh, on Portuguese football and uh, and her her time at uh, at BN? Yeah, it was awesome to have Gabrielle on last week um, on Cortelinhas, which is my weekly podcast dedicated to Portuguese football. Um, and obviously, uh, the translation, Portuguese translation of breaking the lines, uh, somewhat. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great to have her on. Um, she had a busy schedule, so I had to wait a little bit to, to, to have her. But, um, yeah, we, she, I had her on right after her beloved sporting, uh, won the league title. Um, and, you know, was able to speak with her for, I think, 90 minutes or probably more than that. We ended up having to cut up the, the podcast into three segments. Um, but, you know, it was great. Um, as, as somebody who usually has Portuguese people on the Cortalinhas podcast, um, this week I'm having Luis Cristobal, uh, a, a Portuguese journalist, um, on, on this week's Cortalinhas. Um, it was just nice to have somebody who uh, is not just Portuguese, but Portuguese-American. Sure. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's something that, you know, it's been a pleasure to meet so many, I think, Portuguese Americans who have their own unique experiences uh, from places really wide ranging from, you know, California, um, New Jersey. Uh, Gabrielle, I believe, is from New Jersey, but it lives in Miami, obviously, with the sports. Um, you know, it's really nice to, to, to get that. Um, and, you know, obviously one of the things that I love most about the, U- the U.S. is that melting pot that you get to meet people with diverse backgrounds, with diverse passions. Um, so, yeah, it, it was great to have her on. Um, we joked how we, we are kind of like the only two, maybe the only two, fort- the only two Americans with record subscriptions. <laughs> <laughs> and like <laughs> you went you went gold. You went gold on the on the subscription. So it's funny because <laughs> Nova, the executive editor of Record, um, he had been trying to convince me for a while to get a subscription. So I finally did, and I uh, ended up renewing it. I just I just like it. Um, I was considering also doing the same for for some other outlets like Ojogo and Abola, but um, yeah, I like I like Record a lot. Um, I, I was actually reading um, an article previously about. Uh, Florentino Luis, who who was doing some charity work for for his his first club for his his old neighborhood, um, and I really like that story, so I decided to sign up uh, for Gold. Um, and it's nice because you know you get like obviously it doesn't mean it doesn't make you instantly fluent in Portuguese, and it doesn't like it doesn't give you any superpowers with you know being a a Portuguese football expert, but it does definitely encourage you and gives you some stories. Um, and, you know, I can't, unfortunately, I can't be in Portugal right now. Um, and it will probably be a while until I am back in Portugal. But, um, you know, I do think that being able to read in Portuguese, being able to uh, read a Portuguese outlet like Record, you know, not necessarily that, but it could be Abola, could be Ojogo, could be Renascença, whatever, um, definitely helps you to connect 
and to be, you know, constantly up to date with, you know, what's the latest story, what's the deal with uh, Ruben Amorim and the, uh, you know, legal controversies that he's in. What's the deal with, you know, is Carlos Mane going to leave Hioav? You know, it, it's 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 nice um, just to stay up to date. Um, and I have enjoyed having a headquarters subscription. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, you, you mentioned the the Portuguese-American, uh, you know, uh, tilt on that. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why this podcast got started three years ago. And we, we just we just uh, passed the, the three-year mark of the podcast. And, you know, uh, you know, a guy that you and I both have a lot of respect for and admiration for is Tom Cundert, who kind of put the, Portu- the Portuguese news in English, um, you know, template out there for for all of us to enjoy and and we've been you know we've benefited a, a lot from that and obviously this podcast is in huge uh in, in a huge way a reason why uh or due to him um you That's had cool. him on i mentioned a few weeks back how was uh how was connecting with tom and uh and, and what did you get uh, from your conversation with uh with the godfather <laughs> yeah he really is the godfather it was amazing to have tom on uh such a nice humble guy who has really birthed uh, the English Portuguese content for so many of us. Um, you know, you see all these great accounts such as, you know, Alex Gonçalves, Proxima Jornada, and, you know, what I'm trying to do with Breaking Lines and Cortalinas in covering Portuguese content, you know, I, I don't think that's possible without Tom Cundert. Um, and, you know, hopefully it, it influences even more because, frankly, um, as good as it is to, you know, read Portuguese and, and study it as a language and, and try to tap into that. Um, not everybody is going to be capable of it and it sure. should be a, a barrier for you, you know? Um, I, and so that's what we're trying to do with Cortalinius, with breaking lines in, in, in carrying it over to an English speaking audience um, and, you know, allowing them to, to get um, updated on what's happening. But yeah, obviously None of that is possible without Tom Cundert uh, paving the way with Portugal. Uh, he's done just absolutely incredible things, and uh, I can't wait to have him on again next season. All right, before we let you go, man, I want you to make sure we get uh, the proper promotion of uh, a couple of uh, items that you guys are working on over at uh, at Breaking the Lines. First, uh, the Euro Magazine series that's coming out um, soon, probably in the next few days here. And then obviously a uh, a series that I believe you just finished, right? The uh, the your project on Marseille. Uh, give us a, a preview of the uh, of the Euro magazine, and then uh, just a, a little bit of your work with uh, with the, the Marseille series as well. Yeah, so starting off the Marseille series, uh, it's a six part series. I still have yet to drop parts five and six, um, and it's basically about Marseille and the rise and fall of Bernard Tapier's Marseille. Bernard Tapier uh, was a businessman who. Um, came up in, in, in France in like the 80s. It essentially became the, the, the French Donald Trump. What, I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave it at that. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, um, but yes, yeah, so essentially became the French Donald Trump, had his own like The Apprentice style show um, and, you know, had, you know, ended up getting like having a ton of uh, success with, with his biking team and uh, with, with this is is companies basically peddling ended up peddling his wealth into buying Marseille uh, for actually a symbolic franc. Uh, it was literally in so much debt that he bought it for like I think it would be twenty cents now, oh, um, wow. and used his wealth 
to basically build it into the best team in France. Um, but and and in France and and Marseille ended up becoming actually the first and the only uh, French team to win a major European trophy. Um, that, you know that that's that has not yet been repeated uh, by winning the first ever Champions League final in 1993 um, against Fabio Capello's Milan. Uh, but the the end of the story, I shall I I'll just I'll just say it, it's not as not as sweet as uh, a first ever um champions league victory for for a french team so i'll just leave it at that all right it's a six-part series on breaking lines and yeah i will be releasing part five and six later on this week um but yeah and right with regards to the euros magazine so uh this is a digital magazine that we are going to release this week uh with 180 plus pages of content Um, and you know spoiler alert i wrote on portugal uh, and basically just discussing, you know, they're, they're out there, they're, uh, how, how they're looking ahead of this, um, talking about, uh, cer- certain things that could make or break their campaign, um, as well as a flashback. Uh, so yeah, there are, our Euros magazine, uh, it has somewhat similar, um, shall we say patterns for different countries. But there is the, each country has its own unique flair because of the wide range of uh, authors. Um, so really, you've got a lot of everything. You've got some scouting reports. You've got some uh, great art- artwork. You've got some great previews on every single country. Um, you've got a lot, and it's for a very modest price. So yeah, we are going to be releasing it this week, um, a digital magazine. Uh, and yeah, I'm super proud and super happy to be finally releasing it uh, on Breaking Lines. Nice, man. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, I can't wait to, to read about your uh, prediction of Portugal winning. That's really <laughs> nice of you to, to, to put that out there. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm a, I won't hold you. Unless you did. I guess we'll have to find out. Yep. We'll have to subscribe and, and find out. Uh, Zach, it's been a blast to, to finally connect with you, man. And, uh, and uh, you know, congratulations on all your success. And, and thanks for making some, some time uh, with us and for us on this, uh, on this preview of, uh, of Euro 2020. Uh, looking at uh, the Slesson and also uh, a little bit of uh, U21 talk. You can follow Zach uh, on Twitter at Zach Lowy and uh, follow Breaking the Lines uh, at BTLVid. Uh, again, man, just a pleasure to have you on, and uh, and we look forward to having you on again uh, sometime in the future. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure, and uh, I can't wait to be on again soon. And a huge thanks once again to Zach Lowy of Breaking the Lines for joining us here on episode number 43 of the Slesson podcast. Of course, follow Zach on Twitter at Zach Lowy. That's Z-A-C-H-L-O-W-Y. Uh, tell him that uh, you heard him on the Slesson podcast and that uh, he did a uh, just a phenomenal job breaking down uh, the Portugal roster, their chances of repeating, and uh, a great overview of, uh, of what's coming up for not only the Euros, but uh, what's uh, coming up for breaking the lines. Uh, follow both of those accounts on Twitter uh, if you will, uh, again, there's a lot to, or there was a lot, I should say that I, uh, that I, uh, you know, brought to, uh, to the forefront here on episode number 43 of the Slesson podcast. First and foremost, um, you know, Eric Krakauer being our, uh, Slesson match, uh, analyst is just huge for us. So, uh, look forward, uh, we look forward to having Eric on, uh, I think we might have an episode or two. I'm trying to get at least one more episode before we get Eric on to preview uh, 
the uh, the tournament here, but um, but Eric coming on and uh, helping us out uh, throughout the uh, tournament is just a, a blessing, and uh, and we really really appreciate his uh, his commitment to us and uh, his time uh, this summer. Uh, again, uh, Joseph Ray BBQ Company are uh, a brand new partnership uh, with uh, with us here. Uh, Portuguese American owned and operated. Make sure you go to Joseph underscore Ray underscore BBQ underscore CO on Instagram to get your barbecue for the Euros. Manscaped is back, and we are thrilled to have them back. Promo code Slesao S E L E C A O to get you twenty percent off and free shipping worldwide on manscaped.com and of course follow us on twitter at slesson pod on instagram at slesson pod facebook.com slash slesson pod email the show slesson pod at gmail.com and of course check out our website with all of our information slesson pod.com subscribe rate review do all the good stuff that i want you to do on apple podcasts for uh, for the uh, the slesson podcast uh follow us and or subscribe to us i should say on spotify and google play and any other podcasting platforms uh, that you have on your mobile devices or on your computers uh search the Slesson podcast in that search engine and support your uh favorite portuguese podcast if we are your favorite portuguese podcast i hope we are at least among them so uh greatly appreciate all your support there. So this has been episode number 43 of the Slesson Podcast. We are a proud partner of Portugal.net and a member of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. I am your host, Danny Pinto. Uh, can't wait to uh, get you guys uh, back in for episode number 44 as uh, we are on the road to Euro 2020. And as always, Forza Portugal!